You're about to hear the 3CR community radio podcast of Encyclopedia. For more information on this show, head to 3cr.org.au and follow the links to the Encyclopedia program page. Get in contact with us on Facebook, Twitter, or find us on our website. Good afternoon and welcome to this uh, 3CR Radiothon special of In Psychedelia this Sunday afternoon. I uh, hope you're enjoying your afternoon so far and have enjoyed the fantastic programming that is on 3CR. If it's the sort of thing that you want to hear in the future, donations are what we need from you. Uh, 9419-8377 is the number that you call. Uh, we, we have some uh, very friendly ladies uh, on the phones in the background who will be taking your donations, and they do take credit card, you can send us a cheque. You can drop into the radio station at 21 Smith Street next week. But ring us up. Pledge some money now. 94198377. It is the 3CR Radiothon. And you are listening to Encyclopedia, and we do have quite the program uh, uh, for you this afternoon. We have a panel of experts. Now, we've got uh, Dr. Monica Barrett from the National Drug and Alcohol Research Centre. We've got Dr. Stephen Bright, who is a clinical psychologist and also the vice president of PRISM, Psychedelic Research and Science and Medicine. Uh, we have Greg Denham from Yarra Dragon Health Forum and also Law Enforcement Against Prohibition. And I believe, now, this last one I had to confirm yesterday, he's, uh, you know what, my, my laptop's out of batteries. Do we, do we have a laptop battery thing? It's fine. It's fine. Um, and the last one is Adam. I'm just just telling you all my technical problems on the air here. Um, and the last one is Adam from Fitzroy Legal Service, who will hopefully uh, be in here. I just had a chat with him yesterday, and hopefully he'll be in here. So we are going to be taking your Q&A. Uh, if you have a question around drug policy, around drug laws, around anything around this, call us up. 94198377. Donate, but also let us know the question that you want to ask our uh, our panel of peeps. Let's get into some news. And psychedelia news of the week. I don't condone or advocate that everyone should use illicit drugs. I think it's a, a huge decision made with the right amount of research and forethought. The intention is to discourage ICE use. The actual effect is it encourages the stigmatisation of people who use this drug. The risk there is people are less likely to disclose their use even when they're experiencing some issues. So they're less likely to access essential health services. The potential for harm increases. People feel hesitant to be open about who they are because they're afraid of judgment from family members or people at work or or just people in society in general. Many of them have conservative mindsets regardless of their politics uh, and will just say, oh well, then the, the, the government are not looking after us and therefore it seems a law and order issue rather than a a social problem that needs to be dealt with on, on a public health basis. Drug news from Melbourne and around the world. G'day, Ash here with some news from the week. The Daily Telegraph has reported that um, Redfern police are cracking down on drug dealers with uh, a public housing blacklist. So people caught selling drugs are going to be put on a blacklist and no longer have access to public housing. Oh, good. So, which is interesting. <laughs> when I did my radio training here at 3CR, um, I actually met some people from the... Uh, can't remember exactly what it's called, but the public housing advocacy group, and and they spoke about this issue, like people mm. getting kicked out for smoking a joint, and while you know hardcore criminal 
dealing and enterprises can be very uncomfortable for mm. other people that live there. Where are they going to go? <laughs> yeah, it does. It does put people in a rather difficult situation. Uh, Penny. Um, there's been a report that's come out this week from the Australian Institute for Health and Welfare that has said that more Australians are seeking treatment um, for alcohol consumption more than any other drug. Um, is which this related is, to the Global Drug Survey? Um, this has actually come out of the Australian AI, AIHW, but um, it's uh, not... Oh, Institute yeah. of Health and Welfare? Yeah, that's yeah, right. Just to break down those acronyms for you. Yeah, which um, I'm sure Monica Barrett, who's coming in, will have a Shortly. lot <laughs> <laughs> more. She's much more qualified to talk about it than I am. But I think about 38% of people seeking treatment for drug and alcohol issues was for alcohol mm. and um, 20 for amphetamines. 20%, sorry. Uh, in, in the past week, now, I, my laptop is dead, so all of my, all of my news is missing, but I, I, did, I did watch an interesting uh, SBS2 uh, story the other night uh, with Julian Palmer, who we've yeah. had on the program in the past, uh, talking about ayahuasca, and I thought it was quite a, an interesting story. I've posted it on the Encyclopedia Facebook page, so facebook.com forward slash Encyclopedia is the place if you want to have a look. Um, but it was just a, a good look, a fair look, I think, into ayahuasca uh, yeah, without, without the hype and fear. So uh, SBS2 uh, ayahuasca documentary over the past week. Uh, yeah, of, uh, if people aren't already aware of the um, Ayahuasca Defense, uh, Defend Ayahuasca uh, yes. Fund. ADF. Um, yeah, you can donate to the fund as the uh, Therapeutic Goods Association is currently or in July will be reviewing uh, the legalization of DMT. That, that was another thing that's come up um, as well. I've been following a bit along with the conversation. I'm hoping to speak to some people in coming weeks. It's still unfolding a little bit, but um, a lot of debate around that. Yeah. In the SBS program I was talking about, uh, Julian uh, took some issue with the way that it was approached to the TGA. So the TGA will accept any submission from anyone who wants to uh, uh, reschedule a substance if they've got some evidence to pr uh, do it on, and they have to talk about that. That's a mm. democratic institution. They have to do that. They talk about that, but generally they make up the mind that they've already got in the first place. You're not going to change their mind a lot of the time. Mm. And this particular um, proposal was to legalise DMT for religious purposes, yeah. but then you have to define what a religious purpose is, um, and in, a, in an amount that would be very technical to work out. You'd probably have to chuck it through a GCMS to actually get... Um, uh, gas chromatography, mass spectrometry okay. machine to actually... Yeah, so anyway. <laughs> um, another one from the Daily Telegraph and possibly some good news from New South Wales. Maybe some of our experts here can pick it apart for us uh, later on. Um, as part of a new $200 million overhaul of drug and alcohol services in New South Wales, they're rolling out 1,000 beds for drug-addicted pregnant women and mothers. So this is... Um, Hopefully going to deal with the issue in particular with women where they're vulnerable to losing their children and sometimes not getting them back or not getting access to them if they have a substance abuse problem. So potentially some good news from New South Wales, which is rare. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio. Uh, this is in Psychedelia, and right now we're in the middle of our radiothon. Uh, 94198377 is the phone number to call if you would like to pledge some money towards this uh, fantastic cause. Community Radio, if, if you don't understand the sort of differences, uh, commercial radio obviously funded by uh, advertisements, the commercial uh, operators. Government uh, is funded by your taxes. Community Radio is funded in a variety of ways. 3CR focuses a lot on... Oh, 
I found my phone. Um, <laughs> that was nice. Um, 3CR is uh, focused a lot on donations from uh, you, the community. We we need your support. We're talking here for you. If you support us back, uh, it, it, it helps to make these dials work. 94198377. Um, so with some international news, uh, leading public health bodies in the UK have called for decriminalisation of all drugs, um, stating that uh, drug misuse should be a health issue, not a matter for courts and prisons, um, which have not succeeded in deterring people from taking drugs. Um, there's been quite a few um, articles in the media this week about um, this and it's come out being um, supported by, I think, uh, the Times and and the Royal Society for Public Health uh, and the Faculty of Public Health there as well. So quite interesting um, that that's come out of the UK. Um, also overseas, there was an interesting article um, coming from somewhere in the US. I couldn't work out which state it was. Um, but um, a top congresswoman wants the rich to take drug tests to get their tax breaks. So she is arguing that um, people on welfare always have to, in I think 15 US states, have to be drug tested to get their welfare payments. So why don't the top 1% of... Uh, Highest Doesn't earning people fear. in the US have to um, get the get take drug tests to get their tax breaks. Yeah, it does seem fair. Mm. I think that's come up a lot. I mean, uh, what was that? Uh, Wolf of Wall Street, that movie, and yeah. the ridiculous amount of uh, cocaine and amphetamine consumption uh, probably better reflects a lot what goes on in Wall Street uh, than movies that sort of glorify uh, that sort of thing. Yeah, I look, drugs really have all sorts of effects. So. <laughs> Good on air. So some sadder news from the week. Uh, a young man passed away at the Omega Festival uh, last weekend, I think it was, on Sunday. Um, there was some pretty mm, unappealing reporting on it. Um, they kind of highlighted the fact that he, he passed away in his car and, um, uh, you know, quite close to where the festival was going on. But, I, you know, it's, that's the kind of thing that can happen in public spaces for a lot of reasons. One of the the features that they spoke about in terms of, um, you know, he, the, the way he passed away was probably it was polydrug use, so multiple substances. Mm. Um, Over a uh, extended period of time. And... The the thing that really got raised in this was um, uh, an issue that's come up a, a few times recently in the festival scene where a uh, promoter hasn't quite got the permits that were required. Uh, the permits are there to make sure that you've done all the right things, but that's the idea. That's the that's the that's a nice idea of what permits are for. A lot of the time, what you end up having to do is unnecessary bureaucracy uh, that doesn't necessarily help anything and can sometimes hinder. And sometimes you get caught up in these things. And I think this has been happening with uh, promoters a lot recently, where they're being caught up in a political uh, issue that is focused on this particular scene, mm -hmm. uh, and somebody has a political point of view, so they don't want the the, the par uh, party to go ahead for that reason, and they will make it difficult. Party still happens. And then bad things happen. Yeah, I'm wondering if maybe we need to try and formulate a rough guide for renegade bushdoofs to, you know, kind of deal with this kind of thing. In the US, they have a essentially a union of festival promoters. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a it's a good idea. I don't know if the uh, scene is big enough in Australia for that sort of thing, but it, it's a good idea because then you can start to lobby on behalf of those things and start to engage with stakeholders and understand how to best throw a party. Mm. Penny. 
Um, I just had one more from overseas. A senior member of the Thai junta has said that the country should decriminalise methamphetamine in Thailand, um, which is very interesting to come out of a country like yeah. Thailand. Um, <laughs> as Thailand's been infamous for its harsh drug laws and zero tolerance to approach to illicit drug users, um, the general has come out um, saying that they have lost the war on drugs and he's proposing to take methamphetamine off Thailand's list of dangerous narcotics. Oh, that's interesting. I, especially I saw that after... headline, but yeah. I, haven't, I haven't read it yet. I, I saw the headline, I'm like, I've got to come back to that. That looks a bit odd. <laughs> yeah, apparently um, it was. Uh, he spoke at a meeting to discuss the findings of the UN special session that happened in April um, and came out saying uh, the world is now surrendered to drugs and has to come to think of how to live with drugs. Uh, that's the thing, though. You, you use that sort of language, has surrendered to drugs. It's like drugs were some new thing that's evil mm. that's come in. Drugs have always been around. Once upon a time, we called them part of our diet, mm. uh, and we, we used to have medicines and things that came from herbs and plants and things like that. Uh, we figured out how to uh, synthesize things and make uh, more uh, specific actions, which is fantastic, but it doesn't, it doesn't change the fact that these things were always something that was essentially part of our diet. Um, now... I'm going to get uh, some the, music. The, there here. was some things to say about the Global Drug Survey, but oh, seeing yeah, as Monica Barrett's here, like, I, don't think, I don't think there's much point us delving into that when she's got a much better grasp on um, all the data that's come through. And I'm going to play a song for you shortly. The phone number again for the 3CR Radiothon, 94198377. Please do give us a call. Pledge uh, some money. So far... We have actually had a donation of $50, so thank you. Um, it's an anonymous donation. I have no name for that particular one. Um, you are welcome to uh, leave your name or question, because we are going to have a panel of experts soon. Uh, so do give us a call, 94198377. Um, and I'm just... Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm having a fiddle this is what happens. You, you, you come in and you think you put everything on the thing and you haven't put everything on the thing. <laughs> so you have to just choose some different music. So I'm going to choose some different music. This is, uh, this is uh, DJ Wasabi. That phone number again, in case you missed it, 94198377. It is the 3CR Radiothon, and you are listening to In Psychedelia. Uh, my name's Nick, but we have a panel of experts uh, to introduce now. Uh, Greg Denham from the Yarra Drug and Health Forum, uh, Forum and also Law Enforcement Against uh, Prohibition. Welcome to the program. Thanks, Nick. Uh, Stephen, Dr. Stephen Bright, uh, a clinical psychologist and also the Vice President of... PRISM, Psychedelic Research in Science and Medicine? Yes, thanks Correct. for having me. Uh, Dr. Monica Barrett from the uh, National Drug and Alcohol Research Centre. Um, and uh, any other accolades you'd like to add on? Um, that and a drug policy modelling program and from the drug policy UNSW. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you, Monica. And uh, also Adam uh, from Fitzroy Legal Service, who we just had a chat to briefly yesterday. Uh, Adam, thank you for coming in. Oh, thank um, you. We'll be able yeah. to get some... Uh, Adam Wilson. Well, drug Adam Wilson. Adam drug Wilson, outreach lawyer. I'm drug just filling in the lawyer. gaps for you there, Thank you. Thank no you. I appreciate this. <laughs> <laughs> drug outreach lawyer from Fitzroy Legal Service. Yeah. Uh, Adam, thank you for coming onto the program today. Pleasure. Uh, so, Monica, first up, Global Drug Survey is a uh, online survey that's been happening for about the past three or four years now. Yes, so we now have four years of uh, data in Australia. 
Um, the Global Drug Survey has been going for a bit longer than that, but it was known as the MixMag Survey, and it was uh, mainly based in the UK, but has become global in the last four to five years. And the uh, so so uh, to give people an idea of this survey, because one of the sure. important things about surveys is uh, the kind of people that end up responding, because mm. obviously that's going to be what your that's data set right. is from. So what are the kind of people that are responding? How many people are responding to the Global Drug Survey? It's uh... Yeah, so in the last couple of years, we've had 100,000 people complete the survey, which is... All across the world? All across the world, um, sort of around 5,000 from Australia each time. And because this isn't a household survey, it's not the sort of sample where we can estimate prevalence, so we can't sort of say, well, this is the number of people that use a particular drug in any one country. But what we can do is look at what drug enthusiasts or drug-involved people might be doing and the trends in that over time. I um, saw an interesting uh, survey that you posted just the other day that was um, asking some questions I, I haven't seen in a while and they were really uh, probing into uh, what people might be doing uh what sorts of results have you seen from the Global Drug Survey this year? Yeah, sure. That we're so, in? I mean, there's a really a vast array of results, but I guess one of the things I wanted to focus on was the use of ecstasy, uh, particularly in Australia. And so, um, we've got four years now of Australian data from GDS, and what we've seen is actually an uptick in the last uh, year of um, firstly people in the survey saying that they use MDMA or ecstasy in pill or powder form. So, so quite, a, quite a large increase in that. And then when you look at the rates of people that say that they sought emergency treatment following the use of ecstasy, that's also uh, actually doubled. And this, Even though that's a small number, it, this, it is actually this doubled. This is related to, a, uh, there was an article that was published, I think it was in The Guardian, saying mm -hmm. now is the worst time to take drugs, I think was the <laughs> yeah. headline. You yeah. had a disclaimer for that, but yeah, um, it relates yeah. to this. So, so really... Um, the idea was that if you're sort of 16, 17, 18, maybe, maybe you're thinking about trying MDMA for the first time, mm. the reason why um, Dr Adam Winstock, who runs the Global Drug Survey in the UK, made that statement that perhaps it's the worst time to start trying MDMA is because certainly in the UK they have very high dose pills. Now that can be okay if you know what you're doing and you know the dose and you actually know what perhaps is a good dose for you, what is a dose that will overdose. But for people that are, say, thinking, I might try this for the first time, no idea of what the dose is in the pill, no idea what they can handle. Um, they have had a, a number of deaths in the UK that they've traced back to very high dose pills mm. where people just didn't know what they were doing. So so that's where that warning came from. And obviously for some people they would say, well, it's a good time because it's more pure. But more pure can be more dangerous it, when exactly. you don't know what's going it does, on. It, is basically I, I, the this, idea. this has happened in the um, opiate market where uh, yes. heroin uh, can be at a very low, uh, a low quality. Mm. Um, so people are used to taking a certain amount, but then when a high quality one yeah. comes in, even though you think high quality, it must be... Uh, better for them, right? It sounds mm. like it should. But people uh, need to relate to these things through their dosage, and if they have too much, that's... that's Part of it is the wrong. variability. Yeah. So if it's variably low and high versus, say, always high or always low, then that's going to cause problems for people, assuming that they don't know the dosage in milligram of what they're taking. Mm. And so this leads into a debate about having a testing service and actually having stuff available, information available on what people are actually taking. So we are in the middle of the 3CR Radiothon. 9419 8377 is the phone number if you would like to pledge some dollars towards uh, keeping 3CR and community radio on the air. Uh, we have... Oh, there's one here that I'm, I'm reading. It is uh, $50 from uh, Mr... Oh, Pierre... Pier Giorgio, 
uh, Moro. Mr. Pier Giorgio Moro, thank you very much for the uh, $50 pledge uh, to win Psychedelia uh, this afternoon. Uh, 94198377. Uh, we're talking about the Global uh, Drug Survey at the moment, which has just come out in the past week. Um, and there's been... Uh, so the Global Drug Survey is um, uh, something that operates in collaboration with a lot of uh, academics, but a lot of newspapers as well. They don't release all of their data for free online. They push it out through different stories. So there's been a few different stories that have um, come out in the past week. Uh, what, what else is there that we've found out from the Global Drug Survey? I mean, the stories I've been involved with have mainly been uh, around novel psychoactive substances or synthetic drugs, so-called synthetic drugs. Mm. Um, (laughs) And, uh, yeah, so looking at the Australian data on that, um, what's been interesting is that we ask every year, uh, have you purchased any drugs promoted as so-called legal highs, research chemicals or bath salts in the last 12 months? And we've seen a, a decline in people in the Australian sample saying they've purchased it in mm. that form. And what we've also seen, we then ask them where, if they have purchased it, where have they gotten it from? We've seen a decline in shops mentioned mm-hmm. and an increase in internet, but not as much as you'd expect. So shops still in 2016 are still the place that the majority of people say they've bought uh, their so-called legal highs. So that's rather interesting in the Australian context, mm. uh, given the legislative changes we have at the moment. And that, I mean, that's an interesting thing. Uh, Adam, have you uh, spoken to anybody about novel psychoactive substances? Has, has it come up in the, uh, in the uh, for people uh, with legal questions, perhaps driving questions or anything like that? Uh, there's a couple that um, not that often, and it seems to be declining a little bit as well. But there are a, a few of my clients who are, heavily addicted to the to the novel um the, these these drugs you can get from the sex shops mm-hmm. and such so um, these are the <coughs> smokable synthetic yeah that's that's mostly things. that's yep. mostly the one that I, I keep on um coming in contact with i guess a lot of my uh clients are in connected to outreach uh like needle syringe programs mm. and 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 such so they're not really um Looking for looking for that sort of uh, drug as such. Yeah. So, uh, are, are people um, going out and buying this from the shops? Do you know, or is this something that um, people are sort of seeking uh, because they they're somebody that usually enjoys other drugs, but they go and get this because it's easier to get? Is that? A- like um, what's going on? A lot of my clients are using it as as sort of like a legal high, mm-hmm. as such, sort of you know wanting to sort of keep their noses clean. So they're going out of their way to go to a sex shop that they know that sells this this um, product, and um, yeah, go, going out of their way and such. But actually, having more difficulties um, uh, getting off of the substance as well. It seems it seems it's but a it- lot. It's more potent and yep. and a lot more dangerous, and seem to get themselves in a bit more trouble because of it. It does. It, I mean, the the problem with these things is that it, it is really a guinea pig market. You're guinea pigging yourself when you take a drug that there's nothing else really known about, or you're just reading a little bit on the internet. Uh, internet, you you become the uh, the the person that you're researching. For people that are, don't understand that, then it's it's not very good. It's not a good commercial market. But the reason why it's occurred, as you said, is. Because people want don't want to get their noses dirty, but they yeah. they like different yeah. psychoactive substances to alcohol, nicotine, and caffeine. They want different things, and they don't want to get in trouble for it. Yeah, that's right, and and that that's a real. Uh, personally, I find it concerning when they start to um, dabble in that instead of uh, say if they're just using <laughs> cannabis, and then suddenly okay, well I'm going to keep myself clean because I got in trouble for that, so I'm going to go and. Uh, get myself something from the sex shop that's, that's triple the potency and they've had issues with um, their addiction and, and 
where that's getting them. And it seems, yeah, all of the, the criminal behaviour increases as well. Can, Doc- can, I jump, can I jump in there? Just as, as so, uh, I was previously the manager of an alcohol and other drug treatment service that provided services to the Frankston Mornington Peninsula area. And one of the main reasons people were presenting, uh, looking for treatment for their synthetic cannabis use was the lack of availability of cannabis because they were living on the Mornington Peninsula and it was difficult for them to access um, cannabis where they were living. And it was easier to go down the sex store and buy it. In addition to that, um, as you were saying, a lot of people that were on community treatment orders were using synthetic cannabis because they were undergoing urine urine testing as part of their community treatment order and so like you were saying it was around keeping their nose clean so that they were able to get through the community treatment order without um without having that that revoked yeah yeah and that's what i'm saying and um yeah but i mean that they want often clients will say well well, mention this to the magistrate that i'm now using synthetic uh Uh, doesn't go down well Well, no, no, not really. This, you know. I mean, th- th- I, this is the thing that po- uh, pokes the sort of glaring holes in our prohibitionary policy, that it's not evidence-based, it's not evidence-informed, it's not actually protecting you from the worst things out there. It's a blanket ban on most psychoactive substances, and they just get chucked into this category immediately. Yeah. And the way the way that people have figured out around that, we have the technology now, is people just make new chemicals that don't it's fit going, in the law. It's going down a darker and darker path. That's what it seems to me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Greg Denham. Yes, Nick. Uh, Now, there's another issue that's been going on, uh, speaking about um, uh, substance use issues in the community, which is around the Victoria uh, Street sort of precinct in Richmond and Abbotsford. Um, There has been uh, a lot of talk about an injecting centre or mobile injecting centre with community support now, even though the government is still not supporting the idea. It's uh, it's growing. Uh, Mm. Has there been any developments well, it certainly has. Um, you know, most people would have uh, read in the newspapers a couple of weeks ago that the Victorian uh, Street Traders Association have now supported uh, a proposal to have a, um, a mobile injecting facility. The council recently uh, voted on it again and support an injecting facility. So we've always said that the best model is for um, an injecting facility to be part of an existing um, needle and syringe program or primary healthcare facility plus a, plus a mobile facility, which would, um, I guess, cater for people who are quite you know, quite mobile in the community around their injecting. And, you know, when, when the injecting in public is displaced to other areas, the, the bus would to go to the area. And it could also go across to different um, local government areas. We have a you know, big issue with public injecting in Footscray, for example. Mm. So um, it kind of makes sense. But the traders came out um, and came out in support of this. And it was quite a bit of a shock, actually, to be quite honest, because I thought they were the mo- they were the... Um, group that was um, most in opposition to an injecting room. But uh, having spoken with a number of the traders down there recently, they understand the complexity of the drug market down there now and they know that it's not going to move. And so they're now looking at a whole range of options to deal with the issue. And I know that CCTV cameras are a part of what they're proposing. And even though we've said all along that I think we need to, um, I guess, understand the expectations around CCTV, what it can and can't do, mm. um, and, and its limitations. Um, if, if, for example, CCTV came in and we did have an injecting facility, maybe maybe the market might move to a different area 
away from Victoria Street, which is really what the traders want. Mm. It might move into but an area. But that doesn't solve the problem. That's, it doesn't that's, solve the problem. It's passing it on. It does move it to uh, to other areas. But if mm. we if we have an area where people can inject, then and, and be sa- safely spoken exactly. to by professionals, by health workers, exactly, uh, be somewhere where there's yep. not not going to be uh, needles strewn all over the streets. I, that's a pretty good outcome, and people are starting to see that now. I think people are starting to recognise now that we need to manage this situation and manage it to reduce the risks to everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's going to be the best outcome. So, you know, we're we're still, um, I guess, advocating for an injecting facility, including a mobile um, a mobile centre. Mm. Um, and uh, while the issue continues to be quite prominent, which it is, and we don't believe it's going to go away, um, we'll continue to do that. So. You know, if, if people are supportive, um, let us know. Let the Yarra Dragon Health Forum know. We're always interested to hear from supportive people in the community who want to get that injecting facility up and running. Uh, donations. Uh, it is the 3CR Radiothon right now. 9419 8377 is the number to call if you would like to uh, uh, pledge something. And we have just had a lovely donation of $100 from Entheogenesis Australis, who run uh, uh, EGA, <laughs> who run uh, conferences. Uh, they're about 12 years old now. There will be a conference in December. 2017 so we've got a little while to wait um but it, it's going to be a, a big uh conference i i suspect and uh, uh um ega has been a fantastic voice for uh different narratives in the in the sort of psychoactive world over the years uh fantastic youtube uh channel as well youtube.com forward slash entheo tv a lot of the talks that have been at the conferences uh, are available there uh we are speaking with greg denham from yarra dragon health forum dr stephen bright uh from prism and uh also a clinical psychologist dr monica barrett um from the uh drug policy modeling program and adam uh Wilson, there. Adam Wilson <laughs> from Fitzroy Legal Service. Tapped who, on the end here. <laughs> who, who, uh, and, and they're all here to answer your questions. If you have a question, uh, 94198377 is the number to call.
Calicoma, Melbourne Band, with Kaleidoscopa, and I believe they have a pretty sweet new video out for that one. Uh, check it out, look them up, Calicoma, K-A-L-A, Coma, uh, that's the name, 3CR, 855 AM uh, on digital and streaming at 3cr.org.au, and we are in the middle of the Radiothon, eight, uh, 94198377 is the phone number if you would like to pledge some money towards 3CR to keep... Uh, Everything going on that happens here, and uh, there's there's a lot of a lot. Of, I'm sitting in front of this panel. Um, it, it it's been here since the 70s. It's a, it's a bit of an ancient relic. Um, it's amazing. It works, but it does require uh, money to keep it going, to keep these little lights uh, blinking on it, and to keep you know when I when I uh, do this and yeah. To make that work, that's important as well. Nine four one nine eight three double seven, and we have our uh, panel of experts right now. We're taking Q and A as well. Uh, Dr. Stephen Bright, uh, Dr. Monica Barrett, Adam uh, Wilson <laughs> from Vince Legal, and Greg Denham from uh, Yarra Drug and Health Forum. And we were just uh, talking last week. We uh, mentioned briefly a story about a man who went missing in was it uh, Peru that he went missing in Brazil? In Brazil, um, and there's been some news on that. What happened to Rye Hunt? Well, in the end, unfortunately, his body was found, uh, so that was um, very tragic, but I guess it also it brought to the end the search that the family was, was doing vigorously in, in the country. And I sort of ended up doing a bit of media last week about, about the drug, the, in, the class of drugs of the N-BOME variety, mm. um, but the, the, it's a bit of a tenuous link between uh, mm. what Rye Hunt actually took, um, supposedly something he thought was ecstasy or MDMA, but... Um, it's been alleged, uh, and I don't really understand the why, uh, but it's been alleged that that was not uh, not what he thought it was and perhaps was an N-bome. Uh, in any case, he had a, a strong reaction, uh, supposedly a psychotic reaction, and ended up walking around for many days and, and, and dying. So, you know, that it doesn't sound like a very good outcome for taking a drug that, that he didn't realise what it was, from what we can tell. And that, uh, that is the problem, and, and that's something that we are seeing uh, more and more. With the novel psychoactive substances, what they are doing is uh, causing a bit of chaos in the market because uh, one thing that's important to remember is that psychoactive drugs are part physiological. They, they have a reaction in the body, uh, but they're also part your expectation, what you expect to happen. And it is a big part. And, and for something, if somebody was expecting to take MDMA, they can prepare for that situation. They're not going to put themselves in a situation where they're going to die. Mm -hmm. However, if it's a different drug, which has a completely different set of effects, then that can be... That can and be also a, a very different dose if it was indeed N-BOME, and that's the issue. So if this person, if him and his mate were snorting a powder, which allegedly they were, uh, and that powder, who knows what the dosages were. We have a very low in the microgram dose for the N-BOME drugs. Mm. It could have been 20, 30 times the dose. We, we just don't know. I think one of, one of from from my, the media work that I've been doing around this this story is the media seems really uninformed in terms of what the issue was. They wanted to know about what is embomy and 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 what are the toxic effects of it, and and they wanted to know this information. But this that they didn't seem to make the link between the fact that this the issue wasn't the fact that the guy uh, had had taken. Uh, well, me wasn't this, the issue. The issue was that the person thought he was taking a different drug, so it was mm. around unintentional drug use. And I think the the um, as as you were saying, um, if you're expecting to take MDMA and, and get an experience like that, and and instead you're you're you're, you're experiencing the effects of 25 by me, that that's gonna that's gonna have a huge impact on um, your subsequent behaviour. This is what's driving the calls for drug testing to be available at festivals, at, uh, at venues. 
uh, at places where people are going to be taking drugs. Uh, we, we've realised you can't actually stop people from taking drugs. I hope we've realised that anyway. Uh, so it's it's better to uh, aim for a situation where people don't die. That's that's also a pretty good aim, I think. Uh, and last night in New South Wales, I believe, um, uh, Will Tregoning from Unharm and the Unharm crew had a bit of a time-to-test party. I was having a bit of a chat with him about that. I said, oh, I see you're testing drugs there. Apparently not. No, in New South Wales, the police are going to be there to make sure that they are not, uh, and I'm putting sarcastic quotation marks around this, promoting drug use. Uh, so they're going to be at this party, making sure that this party about promoting uh, safe drug use, if people are going to use drugs, we're not telling you to use drugs if you don't use drugs, but if you're going to, do it safely and don't die, please. That would be nice. Uh, but no, uh, they can't run the sort of services uh, that they are looking to do at that party because the police are so sus on them. New South Wales is a... Uh, I, I feel lucky in Victoria sometimes. For all that uh, is bad, there is good. <laughs> I can't um, see how um, actually do, uh, providing that would be um, contrary to law anyway. I wouldn't have thought that... Uh, I think it's it's erring on a, a, a very vicious side of caution. <laughs> I, I think promoting drug use can... Um, uh, well, I know, in in radio, for example, we, we, we're not allowed to be seen as promoting drug use. This is why we're having conversations around drug use. We're trying to be honest about what's going on out there. We're not trying to tell you right now to take drugs. We do not want to tell you that. That is a decision that you should make for yourself, and you need to know the legal consequences, and you need to know the health consequences uh, that are going to happen. But um, it... People get a bit funny about what this idea of promoting drug use is. Some people think that merely talking about something is promoting it, so it's a fickle beast. There was also, um, when we were up in Sydney for the Libertarian Conference uh, a couple of weeks ago, that the, some of the uh, Students for Liberty crowd put on a uh, prohibition party at a Kennard's Hire um, warehouse and the police called them up to ask about it and they'd been directed from the Premier's department to look into it because they were sus on what was happening. Now, this was just a... It was a social kind of, you know, laughing about prohibition kind of party, <laughs> but they were actually directed from people within the Premier's department to look into it. The cops called them and found out what it was about and obviously realised it was a waste of their time. But that's... That's the status of where the politics is at in New South Wales is you can't throw like a little fun dress up in 1920s gear kind of party without the Premier being interested in it. So, yeah. Interesting issues. Um, again, lucky that we're in Victoria. It seems like we've got a relatively reasonable government at the moment for all of our um, gripes. At least they're not uh, hanging out at parties with police telling you, mm, we're watching you. That's, that's Big Brother next level. A bit nuts. Um, uh, more global drug survey headlines. Uh, have there been any other interesting findings from the global drug survey? I know alcohol was certainly one uh, for Australia specifically. Yeah. Um, having said that, I didn't look too hard at the alcohol results or probably pass on other talking about that <laughs> too much. Um, but what I did uh, have a strong involvement with was the Darknet Market mm. module. So looking at uh, people's use of online drug markets, uh, crypto markets or Silk Road and all of their, uh, all of the markets that came after Silk Road. And what we found in the global survey, again, was there was, it just keeps on going up, the number of people that, that say that they've obtained drugs through these online drug markets. Um, and what we find, uh, again, is that like quite consistent results from year on year. So about half of those people actually haven't bought them themselves. They've 
got them on behalf of a friend. So there's a lot of people that don't really have the technical skills to get onto these markets. Maybe they don't know how to buy the Bitcoin. Maybe they just don't know how to do it. But they've got a friend who does. Everyone's got that friend, you know, the, the tech savvy <laughs> this, friend, this right? Is... And so they're able to get it through there. Maybe even the friend shows them, look, here's the listing so they can even see it and make a choice. So, so that is going on and continuing to go on um, here in Australia and, and around the world, I guess, is the headline from the Darknet Markets module. Um, and this is... Oh, we have another donation. I'll just uh, read this one out. 94198377 is the number to call. Uh, this donation... Uh, my dad. Thanks for listening, Dad. Uh, $50. <laughs> Thank you. He's probably not listening. He just called because I told him to. Um, <laughs> thanks, Dad, anyway. Um, so... With the uh, with the oh no, this this actually comes back to a, a point that um, you've made and it's stuck in my head that what we have is not because we get given this idea that drug dealing is this sort of sinister business and you get gangsters selling mm. drug deal children heroin on the corners it it all sounds a bit dodgy but that's not the reality of the situation the way that people sell drugs is uh, I think your quote was uh, lounge room uh, lounge drug room dealers dealing. so yes. that's not actually my quote but ah. in some of the uh, yeah I can't remember exactly whose it was but yeah somebody else but yeah, um, yeah I've done a few studies now on, on what is called social supply uh, and you know, really most people, when you ask them, so where did you access their drug of choice, they will mention friends or at least say a dealer that they know. And there is, of course, a question of who's a friend and who's a dealer that you know, that, that there's a, a merging there. Mm. Um, how did you first become to know that person? Was it through 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 drug dealing or was it just they were a friend? Uh, but then there is the internet and that does change things a bit because you can be someone who is isolated from, say, other people that use particular substances. Maybe you don't know anybody that uses them, but you're particularly interested in them. And so you can actually then just bypass the social network side of, of getting drugs and go straight to get them. And we have some evidence that that's what's going on through through online dealing. Adam, have you had any clients or anyone uh, speak to you who uh, have been using uh, online and have perhaps uh, found themselves on the wrong side of the law with uh, using Silk Road or anything like that? Uh, to be honest, no, mm. actually. But it's it, it has to do with who I'm dealing with. I'm yeah. dealing with um, you know significantly disadvantaged uh, people using, you know, as I said, needle syringe programs mm. or um, other outreach services. So, so they're more the, the um, sort of, I guess, traditional drugs of heroin and and meth. Um, and that's interesting that there are still hotspots, obviously, where people go. I, I don't, yeah, I'm I'm not aware of um, many of my clients using the internet as such. But that's not to say that their dealers don't. No, but, no, but, exactly. <laughs> and, and, and I, I'm sure they do. But yeah. but yeah, but as far as um, yeah, trafficking, I, I don't deal with a lot of traffickers, I guess. So so I, yeah, the users themselves. I'm just more interested in the, the possession, and yeah, it's usually from the hotspots around. Yeah. Era. Yeah. I mean, yeah. when, when you're looking at the global drug survey data, it probably misses the sort of cohort that you're exactly. that you're working exactly. with. Exactly, and that's what I was just thinking. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. but I think in you know in terms of what you're saying, in terms of the the, the dealers accessing accessing the deep web markets, I think that um, that probably is something that goes on. No question. And in addition to that, um, 
you know, there's 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 a lot of um, fentanyl analogs that are available on the deep web at the moment. And uh, I saw one advertised recently that um, that was highlighting that you'd get uh, it'd work out the equivalent of five dollars a hit for your for your um, for the equivalent of of, of the heroin, yeah. which is fine if you're uh, if you're using heroin and you want to um, you know and you want to get some a, a cheap product and, and you're you're open to taking the risk of using that. But the danger of that is is if the dealer is accessing that and then cutting that with um, something something to make it. Um, um, fill it out. Yeah, fill it out. The the danger is that they they may actually um, be not cutting it well enough or, or, or not doing a good job of doing that, yeah. and in turn, um, it leading to the like likelihood of, of overdoses occurring. Now we are we are just about out of time. If you want to uh, donate. Right now, nine four one nine eight three double seven. But next weekend, we also have a special program. Uh, next Saturday, uh, we are going to be out at uh, in in Footscray. And Greg, can you tell us a little bit about what's going on in Footscray next Saturday? Well, um, a number of agencies, including Students for Sensible Drug Policy and um, Harm Reduction Victoria and Law Enforcement Against Prohibition and uh, Family Drug Support. And uh, we've got a, an event in Madden Square, which is just off Footscray Mall in Nicholson Street, which um, acknowledges um, the International Drug Policy Consortium's Day, Support, Don't Punish, which is actually on the following day, but we're having it on the 25th uh, next Saturday afternoon. Sundays are too quiet in Footscray That's right. Saturday. That's right. <laughs> um, so we've uh, got a number of activities. We've got a sausage sizzle. We've got some street art. I think we've got some music. We've got some giveaways. We've got some speeches at one o'clock. Um, so come along, please, and uh, listen to some speak people speak about issues re related to um, particularly drug law. So we're going to really focus around the impact that a conviction has on a person who, you know, um, who finds themselves really in a very, very difficult situation in terms of travel, in terms of work, if they get a conviction, and if they end up in jail, what impact that has for them. If you're around the city area, we are heading to Fitzroy Beer Garden for a In Psychedelia Radiothon benefit gig. Uh, we've got a few musos who will be playing there in the afternoon. It's on the corner of Gertrude and Smith Street, so please uh, come on down. Come say hello to us. We'll have more chats there. Uh, have a drink with us. We will have some music there uh, playing as well. Um, uh, this is the 3CR Radiothon. If you do want to donate, the phone number again, 94198377. Queering the air up are up next. So if you're hanging out for that, 94198377. That's the phone number. Uh, you can find us, 3cr.org.au forward slash in psychedelia. It's also got our podcast. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter. Get in contact with us. Uh, we want to chat to you. You enjoy your Sunday afternoon. We hope to see you at the Fitzroy Beer Garden. This is in psychedelia. Comments, complaints, or contributions are welcome. Jump on the 3CR website, 3cr.org.au, and head to the Encyclopedia program page. Get in contact with us on Facebook or Twitter, or send us an email. Encyclopedia does not condone or condemn people who use drugs for their choices. Our aim is to present the diverse intersections of psychoactive drugs and society. If you are concerned about your own drug use or a friend's drug use, DirectLine provides a free and confidential counselling service 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Call 1-800-888-236. In Psychedelia, we'll be back on 3CR from 2pm next Sunday. 
You've been listening to Psychedelia, a 3CR community radio podcast. For more information on anything you've heard in this program, head along to 3cr.org.au and follow the links to the Psychedelia program page.